0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you to everyone who came out for Garden Day this past Sunday. We had an awesome turnout. It it was so awesome to actually be able to use some of the veggies um, that we got from the garden in my cooking and juicing this week. So, how's that for raw, beautiful community life? And thank you so much again to Monica for helping lead us. Um, And so we will continue in our conversations this week. Moving into a text from Acts, and it comes from Acts 11, 1 through 18. It says, Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord. For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men, sent to me from Caesarea, arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them, and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. So as we move into this passage, we are now in the space of kind of the disciples' early ministry. Peter is following Jesus' call to continue on um, what Jesus had started and what he had called them into. And so obviously we've seen how Peter was treated in the text of John and now he is receiving this vision and call to live into the gospel that jesus had left them with and we're reading from chapter 11 and he is recounting what had happened in and what is described in the chapter right before so in chapter 10 we're introduced to cornelius who is the man in this retelling And we've talked about it a little bit before, but the whole deal with circumcision was about the political and religious divide between Jews and Gentiles. So this whole story is about how Peter finally gets it that Jesus' whole thing was that all people were included in the gospel, not just the Jews who had followed the law. And yet we see how Peter is still working all this out in his head, and he is trying to make sense of his upbringing and mesh it with Jesus' call. And then he's explaining it to other believers who would have grown up, again, following the law, following in kind of this need to be by the letter. Um, And there's this clear implication in this vision and in this retelling that many of these beasts that appear in Peter's vision were certainly unclean in Judaism. So Peter, the Jew, has given the answer that his tradition called him to give. I know what is common and unclean. I won't do that because the law commanded me not to. But again, the voice from heaven in this vision reveals that what the law has said um, has been transformed. The divine has transformed what is required. The message, of course, is not just about what food Peter could eat. All of this was connected to Peter being called to go sit gentiles crossing the political and religious lines that had been placed before and this message uses the image of the table this image is one that we are familiar with and makes sense to us regardless of the time that has passed since the writing of this text the table is and has been an intimate place table fellowship is crucial in judaism a religious tradition that grew up in, you know, this broader Middle Eastern culture where the choice of table sharing is a vital indicator of who was in and who was not. And this really hasn't changed much, and I think is a very good challenge as we think about whether it's our our own community or our own tables at home. And if you think about your own kitchen table or perhaps wherever you eat your meals, could or would you say that you've had a diverse group of people sit at your table over the years? Would people of different abilities, different gender expression, different racial and ethnic identities be comfortable at your table? And this text has been used a lot in the defense of LGBTQ inclusion in the church, and you know, for good reason, that line of don't call unclean, what I have called clean, sticks out. And it's basically I think a call-out of, hey, the divine has made it clear who is included in love, and that is everyone. And yet, throughout generations, throughout centuries, even now, there are still countless people who continue to pretend to see lines and boxes about exceptions to that rule when there are none. And In the lectionary this week, there are two texts provided. The one we read from Acts, and then another excerpt from John 13, where Jesus states, um, kind of in a in a very loving way, "Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you." You should also love one another. And that's from John thirteen thirty four, And this is a little bit different verbiage than what we've read before of love one another as you love yourself, um, which is referenced even in Leviticus 19. Um, and then we get kind of Jesus's addition in various ways throughout the gospel. But instead, Jesus is explicitly stating and commanding that we love like how he loved not just how we ourselves would like to be. This means following in how he went out of his way to love the people that didn't necessarily benefit his political presence, didn't financially benefit him, that were hard to love. Jesus had just modeled the washing of feet before he shares these words. He calls this an example and said that they should do just as I've done for you. I think this is a great, again, kind of returning point. We've talked about love. We've talked about how we define it. We talk about how it shows up in Jesus's ministry. And now I begin to wonder like, what do we think about as we mature in ourselves, um, as we mature in our community, as we mature in relationship, that we might see some differences between how love has maybe been defined or shown before And maybe what are more mature expressions um, that we try to live into? You know, there's a difference between dependence and love, which I think as we mature into ourselves, we begin to see the difference between the two. It's important to ask the questions of who are we really doing something for? Or why do we do what we do? Are we still trying to prove something about our worth? Are we living into a love that looks like rest? and full acceptance. Capitalism has even impacted our relationships with one another. Somewhere along the way, love became transactional. I know some folks might disagree with that take, but I hope before you object, and that's okay if you do, that I invite you to think about the possibility of such a thing, that subconsciously, and maybe even consciously, it became, I will do for you, so that you will do for me, or the opposite, which is motivated out of a guilt that you haven't done enough for someone and feel like you have to do more. But love isn't really about us in the end. I think love is about the impact beyond the intention. Love is sharing a table because we want to, not because we have to, not because it will benefit us in the end. And so I think in using the Acts and the John text, we might construct an understanding that maturity in love means that we look outside of ourselves, beyond any distinctions that we've made between us and them, beyond, you know, even our defenses, and get called in, like we talked a couple year, couple weeks ago, to life and community with people who don't just exist to celebrate or stroke our egos, right? Well, it can be feel nice in a moment, right? We want to continue to strive for something more, that we are challenged in mature love, but we never arrive. And I think that too is gospel. I think we come to realize that mature love also equals loving yourself for being what you are, and likewise loving another person for who they are, not just who they might be, not just their potential. And when we can feel such unconditional No matter how you act, love. Bruce Fisher says, this is when we've learned mature love. You know, we can talk about it through a lens of spiritual maturity. We can talk about it through a lens of emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are different ways in which people have kind of defined different markers for, hey, these are signs that we've kind of made it into the space of maturity. Whether it's being able to take full responsibility for, feelings or reactions, um, being able to hold empathy for others um, and yourself simultaneously, being able to speak up and tell the truth, even when it's hard. Right? There are all these different markers. And of course, this means loving people for who, again, who they are. And that means loving those who are experiencing homelessness without constructing a judgment on them. That looks like caring for the earth, not because it serves us, but because the earth deserves that care regardless of us. That looks like pushing forward equity and financial equality, regardless of whether it benefits those who have been privileged by the current systems. That means protecting women's rights. That line of don't call unclean what I've called clean is such a powerful reminder of how we humans so often fall into the trap of trying to define what is right and what is not. And especially as we consider the work of preserving the dignity of all people, especially those within our community, we know that there are different types of love. The important aspect is the how, the why, often regardless of the who. The path to maturity and therefore to love is a lifelong process. And as a church, we seek to be a place that offers a constructive, beautifully messy space where we can continue to learn how to love, how to confront ourselves, how to live into Jesus's call to love others as he has shown love to us. So I'm excited to kind of see where um, these passages take us on Sunday. I'm excited to celebrate with you all um, and just as always to share that space. So... As we go into this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the